Everybody's going for those kinky boots, kinky boots. Kinky boots, it's a manly kind of fashion that you borrowed from the brutes. Borrowed from the brutes. Kinky boots. Hello boys and girls, and a very warm welcome to another edition of Kinky Boots. I'm Ken Moss. I'm Simon Exton. And this week we are looking at Series 1, Episode 5 of The Avengers, Crescent Moon. This was transmitted and recorded on the 4th of February 1961. The episode itself is missing, and as with Nightmare last week... There are no telesnaps, no production photographs, there's no script, there are no repeats, and there's no reconstruction. So the only info that we've got is taken from newspaper cuttings and TV Times listings and the work of the archivist Dave Rogers. As we've documented in the past, a memo from uh, 1962 does indicate that a, a videotape recording of this was made and did exist or repeats. It was broadcast in the ABC Midlands and North areas, and we have listened to the Big Finish version taken from The Avengers, The Lost Episodes, Volume 5. This was from January 2016. It was written by Phil Mulrine from a storyline by Jeffrey Bellman and John Whitney. Simon, what have we got as a precy for this one? The precy, again taken from the Dave Rogers book, The Ultimate Avengers, for Crescent Moon, is suspicious that his wife and family retainer are scheming to seize his money. General Mendoza fakes his own death and arranges for his daughter to be kidnapped and taken to safety. Believing that the girl has fallen into enemy hands, Steve rescues her from the clutches of Senor Paul, who admits to kidnapping, but says that he was working for General Mendoza and only wanted to take her to her father. Back in London, Keel tells Steed that he has been attending the ailing General Mendoza, who confirms Paul's story. Here, senor. Yes, a chap called Bartello from the House Mendoza. I was told he'd meet me at the customs post on the quay. Senor Steed? Yes. I am Bartello, Senora Mendoza's steward. I am to take you to her. Ah. Please, senor, if you would follow me. Of course. Oh, I do need to make a quick call first. Do you think I might use the telephone a moment? Jude, senor Steele wishes to use the telephone. He's a westerner. And a guest on our island. Or have we forgotten all hospitality? Yeah. So, the telephone, please, now. Now, as with the previous Big Finish stuff, the first thing that absolutely hits you full on is just how good the sound design is. This one's set in the Caribbean, and as the story opens, the sound design, it draws you into, or I was reminded of those very early James Bond films, specifically Dr. No. That's how it feels, and the voice work is, I thought, was superb. It was It just brought you into the world. Unfortunately, I really wasn't that gripped by this one. And I can't put my finger on why, because on the face of it, the performances, the storyline itself, really, there's nothing particularly bad about it. I just wasn't enthused at all. The story is quite slow and it's very linear, um, but there's no side plots at all. I agree that the sound design was wonderful, and I I know you've you've mentioned that sort of the open air Caribbean bits that where I thought it worked brilliantly was inside the church. 
because you got that real feeling of a, a sort of big echoing space. There's certain things on audio, I think they work very well when you get them right, and they can conjure up a landscape with no effort whatsoever. One has always been, and is probably still my favourite, crackling fire, ticking clock. You can conjure up any number of rooms that you want with that. With this, they've got lapping waves on a shoreline and general harbour background, and it's done in such a rich way. I was just on a Caribbean beach uh, or, or Caribbean jetty, and I just thought it was a brilliant bit of design. You, you're there with one sound effect. It was great. Yes, and the, the sound design for all of these uh, Big Finish productions have been superb. In terms of the plot, it's very linear. I didn't like the way that the character of Luis, so the younger kidnapper brother, who's obviously meant to be a little bit simple, came across it was a bit pantomime not terribly bright and yeah. there was there wasn't really any subtlety to it that was the one that stood out as this could have been better and whether that's an actor whether that's a um a director probably a combination of the two that bit i didn't like what kept dragging me out in in places was some of the spanish pronunciation but there was one of the characters whose name was pronounced differently depending which of the um, native characters was was saying it so it was the character of bartejo that's the one which, yes which is the, the way it would be pronounced in spanish be, uh, because of the way a double l is pronounced but whoever played senor mendoza was reading it as Bartello. Yes, that's right. And in a spanish accent but it's not the spanish pronunciation and that just jarred the other thing is Vasco should be pronounced Basco. Oh, righto. I um, did not know that. Because V's are pronounced as B's. And before anybody gets annoyed and says, oh, well, that that's looking at classical Spanish and this, we're talking about South American Spanish, it's actually South American Spanish. I'm learning from a South American tutor. So you know what you can do with that argument. That just brought me out of it a little bit. I wasn't massively convinced by Senora Mendoza's performance, but how much of that is... She's playing somebody who is hiding a lot of stuff and isn't a particularly convincing liar. I don't know. I, I, it's the first one that I've zoned out of, and like I say, they. It was a very. It's just a very flat story. I, 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 it sounds hypercritical that, but with what we've had up to now, and again, this is going to be an episode that has been effectively uh, completely fabricated from scratch with the barest bones of a plot line you know you're talking a couple of lines in the radio times uh, or the tv times rather so i don't know is it, is it too harsh to lay the blame at big finish's door in itself it's a nice little production but it's the only one that i've, I've sort of zoned out of and i it's always warning signs when an audio doesn't grip me like that because it's the only thing you've got it's not even like you can save a dull story with beautiful visuals i didn't zone out of it i was entertained throughout i didn't think it was as good as some of the others that we've listened to i wasn't bored at any point criticism of pronunciation is a very minor thing and and it didn't stop me enjoying it oh the the other bit of sound design i thought worked really well was the shopkeeper's house with all his pet birds. Oh, yes, that was very good. Yes, it was. But we've always said that Big Finish do sound design extremely well, and it's whatever they conjure up, it's never crappy or... Mm, that could have been you know, a bit more work, please, boys. Yeah. It's. 
I didn't particularly like the death by sheep bit at the end. I know the character of Basco didn't get killed, but it just seemed a little bit silly. And the the Dr. Keel segment, and yes, this was a very steed forward episode, mm. but he was in what, about two scenes? Yeah, I think one of those was by telephone, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm. But not that that makes any difference in an audio medium. No, no, not at all. We do have a couple of Who alumni from the original production. Vasco, or Basco, uh, was played by Roger Delgado. Now, doesn't that make you doubly sad that it's missing? It does. For those who aren't familiar with Roger Delgado, really, where have you been, guys? He was probably best known as the master in Doctor Who during the John Pertwee era, but he did loads of things on The Quiet in both films and TV, wasn't it? He did. He had bit parts in lots of things, and radio, hmm. of course. I think, was it it was, he was just sublime to watch and listen to. A real loss to the acting world. But also Eric Thompson as Paul. Now... It's not listed on his Wikipedia entry, but equity are quite strict and always have been on actors having the same name. So I can only assume that it is the magic roundabout Eric Thompson, uh, who was also in The Massacre and married to Philida Law. Oh, right. The name that leapt out at me is the character who played Carmelita, who was Bandana Das Gupta. <laughs> Beyond a fascinating name. Do we know her from anything else? No. <laughs> Just like the name. I just like the name. <laughs> Although Patience Collier really does ring a bell. Bear with me a second. And got top billing, I think. Oh, God, I recognise her. Ah, no, she was Emma Mulreen in the fifth Sapphire and Steel story. And Katerina Matakis in Who Pays the Ferryman. There um, you have lost me. You're more intimately Ka familiar. I mean, you know Sapphire and Steel. Mm. She was in an episode of Night Errant, which is unfortunately missing. But it's... Uh, it's a portrayal in Sapphire and Steel that I, I recognise the name from because that's one of the Sapphire and Steel stories that I've watched over and over and over and over again. But dragging us back to Crescent Moon, it's probably time to rate it in Masterminds. Watch out for Masterminds. What do we think? I quite enjoyed it, but it was a very... Very pedestrian and really quite slow episode. Only featured one of the leads. And the the plot was a bit basic, to be honest. Three. Yeah, I'm hovering between two and three, and I think a two would be a bit cruel. I'll give it a three, largely because of how well it's produced by Big Finish. That was the thing that I really did enjoy, was listening to the sound design and... Yeah, and because Julian Wadham, I do think, is doing a good job as Steed, they've cast him very well. I do like the Big Finish feel of uh, the John Steed. And as we've said earlier in the run, they've not gone for an approximation of Patrick McNee. They've gone for their own Steed, and it works. So, yeah, it's three out of five from me, but it's not one that I'd heartily recommend. So on that note, I shall sign us off. We shall be back at the same time next week with episode six of series one, Girl on the Trapeze. And this one does exist. But on that note, goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening. Bye now. Kinky Boots featured Simon Exton and Ken Moss. With thanks to Studio Canal, Big Finish Productions and Alan Hayes. Title music was performed by Honor Blackman and Patrick McNee, 
and the program was produced by Maverick Productions. Come and get those kinky boots, boots, kinky boots. For more information, please visit maverickproductionsuk.blogspot.com or find us on social media.